Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. I can change a diaper with one hand. That's the fact, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. I love that tiny people. I'm strong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. So it's a hustle. Yeah, it's a hustle. Ah! And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. So we got on this topic, I, I kind of hesitated to bring it up, but uh, we've gotten a bunch of texts and comments on it of different kinds. So I was um, taking in a, uh, a Reddit thread yesterday. I don't even remember how I got sent that direction you know you go down rabbit holes there's a youtube video then it links to this then next thing you whatever um and you're reading up on stuff but it was people who is who think maybe we've crossed a line with this attention toward suicide with the numbers going into ridiculous territory over the last couple of years number of people killing themselves particularly young people these uh deaths of desperation that we call them um, that maybe we've gone too far and that people can't come forward and talk about how they're feeling or what they've been contemplating because they're just there's there, there are so many machinations in in already in process at schools, at workplaces, in families, uh, all over the place to immediately go into um Oh my God, they're thinking about killing themselves. We need to react now, now. We need this doctor. We need that medicine. We need this needs to be written down on this piece of paper. And people are scared to come forward about it, and it might be causing more. I don't have any idea if that's true or not. I thought it was an interesting topic, though. I could see that being true, because this is the era of the big official response. People don't solve things for themselves. They don't have casual conversations in a, like in a bureaucracy or a school or whatever. Things have to be done according to the rules. And if the rules are now, you know, go to DEFCON 1, if somebody says, you know, sometimes I have suicidal thoughts, I could see where people would hesitate because maybe they just want an ear. Maybe they just want a friendly, uh, you know, person to chat with. Right. To let their feelings out a little bit. And some of the comments we got on that, and by the way, you can comment if you want to. Uh, to uh, text line is 415-295-KFTC. A friend of mine texted, I would have been totally in a mental institution uh, with what I was telling people back when I was younger. Yikes. Um, compared to now. And he, I, I happen to know this person who's got uh, kids who have been in this uh, situation themselves. So he has a pretty good idea about the way society handled it then and now. Um some of the other comments, and, and just as an aside, I, I'm a big fan of the whole uh, getting really, really angry at us when we say something that you think uh, is incorrect, and uh, bringing new statistics to it, and, and, and you know, calling us names. I just, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why you can't say here. Here's something you might want to uh, consider, as opposed to you stupid idiot. Don't you know that 10 percent of blah 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 blah? Just an interesting tack to take when you're having a. Yeah, I'm kind of curious, uh, you folks, and I get plenty of those emails. I I go through the emails. Jack goes through the test text. Does does that work for you in real life? Do you find that a uh, useful technique if you hear something and you think you can add perhaps an alternate perspective to the discussion? Hey, stupid idiot! Why don't you do your research? I just wonder, I wonder how that goes for you in real life. I'll do this one before I get to the, uh, the the counter. I totally agree about the you can't come forward about saying anything about wanting to hurt yourself, or if you feel like ending it because you're you'll end up in some crazy house somewhere and you lose your job and you can't own a gun in the future and blah 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 blah. So then we got this pushback from somebody in the industry. 
totally wrong about the 5150 process. 5150, in addition to being the title of a fantastic Van Halen album, is when you are committed by the state for being uh, a threat to harm yourself or others. And at that point, you lose a lot of freedoms as long as they think you are a threat of that. Uh, in fact, they can lock you up. They just plain lock you up against your will, against your parents' will, against everybody's will. Um, I run crisis in four local counties, and our hold rate is low. Our agency does a thousand evaluations a month, and our hold rate is sixteen to thirty percent. Our clinicians work hard to go least restrictive treatment possible. Fake news. Please don't discourage people from reaching out. Um, I wasn't discouraging people from reaching out. I presented this as a, here's interesting, I read this on Reddit yesterday, what do you think? Not as a conclusion of any kind, I just thought it was interesting. But admire your belligerent tone. Um, also, eight, 16 to 30%, okay, if you take that high end, so 30% of people who go so far as to reach out to the hospital end up committed on a 5150, which means you've lost all rights. And then I don't know where that, I don't know how that shows up in your, uh, your paperwork at that point. I don't have any idea on that. Does that keep you from getting a gun in the future if you've ever been 5150? I don't, don't know, know. The, I don't know the answer to that. No. Um, if you do know, feel free to text, um, 415. As belligerently as possible. <laughs> 415295KFTC. But, um, yeah, I just think that's, I just think that's interesting. I, I Kind of in the same way that as we pay more attention to bullying, I feel like there's more bullying in schools than there was when I was a kid in their attempts to deal with it, all the PSAs and everything like that. I wonder if we're not creating more problems by making it such a, oh, my God, she said she's thinking of hurt herself. For, if I remember correctly, I'd have to relook this up, but if I remember from some psychology class back in college, it's the most common thing a human being can, people think about that. All Every human being thinks about that at some point at least dabbles with the idea. Most people never getting as far as ideation, which is like coming up with a time and method. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very common for people to think about it. And uh, if you mention that to someone now, a lot of things get rolling that maybe you don't want rolling. And then the person who's actually a danger um, doesn't get to like talk it out with somebody or whatever. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know. I'm not drawing a conclusion. Hmm. Anybody, no, I don't know either. Anybody got any comment on that? George Will was uh, talking about uh, the current state of politics and um, and uh, how we got where we are and the direction things are going and how pessimistic or optimistic we should be and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> but I thought this was pretty interesting. He said this a certain thing is the most radical thing we've done in 240 years. That would be since the beginning. And uh, that's a pretty strong statement. And he's not a he's not a he is absolutely not a hyperbole guy. George Will, if you don't know his act. the opposite, the opposite. And it's this whole equity thing. This movement toward equity as opposed to equality of opportunity is the most radical thing we've done in 240 years. The country seems to be screaming that direction. Joe Biden is leading the charge. George Will actually said, I don't know that Joe Biden knows the difference between equality and equity, the way it's being presented. He said, but the people around him sure do. And they're the ones that are pushing all this stuff. This push toward making sure everybody gets an equal outcome or just going with the flat out statement that if you end up with an unequal outcome, something bad has happened, probably racist, and we need to adjust for that would be 
the most radical change to the structure of, it's a, of our society. It's the complete opposite of what the entire country was founded on. The entire idea of America goes out the window if you're going to go with equity. And you hear that word on lips from people constantly as if it's just, you know, it's just another good thing to do. I like planting trees and making sure babies get fed and equity. Wait a second. Wait a second. What was that third one that is going to turn the entire country completely upside down from from the founding? I don't think many people understand what equity means and how different it is from equality. Uh, it's funny, as you were speaking, a news alert flashed across my phone from USA Today with yet another one of their woke, woke headlines about institutions and institutional racism and how it has to be overturned. The, the great thing about equity from the point of view of a would-be dictator is you use a moral argument to make the case that it is okay for me to fix the game because we owe a historical debt to various people of color, and the list gets very, very long. I mean, LGBTQ, etc. Women versus uh, men. Exactly. The whole intersectionality thing, transgender people, whatever. You can come up with all sorts of examples or, or areas in which it is good and right for you to fix the game and take control of the way the game is played. The idea of a neutral referee is now seen as perpetuating an evil system. We must now have a referee who decides who wins and who loses in every game. And again, as I said, as a would-be dictator, if you can convince the populace that, yeah, we really need to grant these powers, oh, that's pretty useful. I'll tell you what, I'm going to keep my eye on it. I mean, I was already, uh, you know, anti and uh, hip to it and, and concerned about it. But if uh, no less than George Will says it's the biggest, most radical idea making its way in 240 years it's it's worth keeping our eye on because they did that is the what can flow out of that if it catches on among the young and uh, and sticks around is 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 freaking frightening well it is a, a pivot point in the history of the country it's it is a uh i hate to say life or death because it sounds so hyperbolic but it is either a disease that will be resisted and gotten rid of, or it will infect us and we will become terribly sick as a society. Yeah, working hard to have an e- equal playing field so everybody has an equal opportunity is uh, absolutely uh, imperative, and I'm all behind that, and we haven't always had that, obviously. Um, but working toward that is a good idea. But the big difference between the American Revolution and the French Revolution was the difference between equality, uh, well, really the difference between equality and equity before the word was being thrown around that way. The French Revolution believed everybody should have equal stuff. We should have equal outcomes. Well, that doesn't work. It's impossible. The things the government has to do to end up with equal outcomes requires jailings and murders and all kinds of horrible things. Oh, yeah, it's it's suffocating and murderous. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm uh, regularly claiming if you had to bet now, bet this, I'd bet that. How would you bet? And I never do bet because I'm not really a gambling guy. And uh, But I would have. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. I, mm. I absolutely would have bet anybody a couple of months back, heck no, we're not going to participate in the Winter Olympics in Beijing, which are coming up in January. We're now just two and a half months out. Is that right? It's like 10 days into January it starts. Wow. I would have bet that no way the United States or even most of the Western world uh, doesn't boycott the Olympics. No way it can happen. A senior official with the International Olympic Committee said today, we have few options to press China on its human rights record ahead of the 2022 Games. 
Our job is to ensure that there are, there's no human rights abuses in respect to the conduct of the games within the National Olympic Committee or within the Olympic movement. And so as are, long as no skiers are enslaved, it's okay. Yeah, as long as they don't force one of the ice skaters to get an abortion or forcibly impregnate them, gang rape them like they're doing with all the Uyghurs, then I guess that's okay. And, um, you know, that's the Olympic Committee's view of it. And I think, I don't know. I, I still, I still find it really hard to believe that the United States is going to participate, but we haven't pulled the plug yet. And it's getting pretty late. Well, I'd say every, virtually every aspect of our relationship with China is going to come down to greed versus, uh, doing what's right. And just remember this example, which one won out? Well, they have slaves. They have concentration camps, systematic rape murder it's a genocide you call it whatever you want and everybody's still showing up and it's still going to be brought to you by coca-cola and whatever other sponsors so watching the summer olympics which was just a couple of months ago i remember watching the opening ceremonies and when taiwan walked in they walk under the flag of taiwan the the territory of the people's republic of china or something it mentions in the them walking in the olympic ceremony that they're part of china so the Olympic Committee has been going along with that. And we're going to have our athletes march in the Olympics in Beijing, China, with the crowd cheering like crazy as they claim that Taiwan belongs to them. Wow. That's unbelievable. While they have a million or more slaves, while they're flying fighter jets into Taiwan's airspace on a weekly basis. Right. They get to showcase China to the world with our help. Now, I remember back in my younger days in the 1976 and 80, uh, that, that period where the, the Soviets and, and, and the U.S. were boycotting each other. We boycotted I, in 80. It was Carter's decision because the Russians had invaded Afghanistan. Yes. Ironic. Uh, anyway, I remember <laughs> I was thinking at the time and a lot of, a lot of pretty reasonable thinkers at the time said, look, this, this is not good. Let's, let's get together. And have these sporting contests every every four years at the time, um, and and let's let's relate to each other, let's see each other, let's cheer our athletes. Better to remain in contact than do all this boycott stuff. Jimmy Carter himself has said recently he regrets that decision. He doesn't think it did any good to keep our athletes from competing in the Moscow Olympics in 1980. Right. At the same time, though, everybody says going to Berlin in 1936 was a terrible idea. Hitler got to uh, show off Germany and the might of the Aryan race. Jesse Owens, et cetera, et cetera. I don't Nazi think Nazi Germany. I don't think they're apples and apples. Uh, uh, Russia invading Afghanistan is not the same as China having a million slaves and uh, threatening Taiwan, a democracy. I, I just don't see them as the same level of problem. I think that's a legit point. At the same time, there has been no serious discussion of a boycott. No. Nope, there has not. That'll be something. I, I just, their opening ceremonies, I think people, a lot of people remember this. Their opening ceremonies in Beijing in 2016? What year was that? Somebody look it up. The, that was just unbelievable. I mean, everybody declared it the greatest opening ceremonies ever. It was a major effort by the Communist Party to let the world know we are a for real country. I mean, look at this. And it was unbelievably impressive because they can spend as much money as they want. They're dang near the biggest economy in the world. And if somebody says, I don't want to jump in and out of boxes, they'll say, well, go to a concentration camp. Are we going to let them do that again? Put on this just unbelievable show 
Yes. With, with a whole bunch of money, some of it they've stolen from the United States and the Western world by stealing all kinds of uh, proprietary information and all that sort of stuff? Sure. Yeah, a huge amount of it. Surely. Yeah, that's the plan. Obviously, we're not going to send the president. We're going to send uh, Kamala Harris to sit there in the stands? I wonder if uh, Kim Jong-un's skinny, mean-faced sister's going to be there. <laughs> You remember, was it NBC who said some people are calling her North Korea's Ivana Trump, Ivanka Trump. God, one of the dumbest sentences ever uttered in the English language Korea's, going back thousands of years. Korea's mean-faced, his mean-faced sister. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, what was that? China, boy, guys, uh, but uh, the, I'm sure the, Network lamos are even now carefully combing uh, their verbiage to figure out, all right, we got to say something about that. There has been controversy over China's treatment of the Uyghur people. China is asshole! You know, blah, 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 couple more words, and they'll say, but now back to the biathlon. Yeah, I think they'll, yeah, they'll touch it. on it, but weakly. Critics say it amounts to uh, imprisonment. Ah, critics say. But Chinese, Great dodge. But Chinese officials say it's merely a re-education. Right. And they'll go with that. Now back to the long Armstrong and Getty. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. So we got on the topic of presidential heights for some reason during the Armstrong and Getty show today. Well, yeah, I was fantasizing about uh, James Madison uh, returning from the dead and uh, hacking up people around the Capitol. And no, no Secret Service, you don't need to come see me. <laughs> it's a spinning in the grave type reference. And oh, and then we were talking about how, how physically diminutive James Medicine was and how he probably wouldn't really get very far. Not only was he our shortest president at 5'4", James Madison was our lightest president. I now have the weights. So we went through the tallest presidents, Lincoln the tallest, then LBJ, then Trump. Those are your top three. Uh, your shortest presidents were uh, James Madison, Benjamin Harrison, Martin Van Buren, 5'4", 5'6", 5'6". But anyway, so they got the weights. I don't know how they came up with these. And also the BMIs based on the oh, weights and weights. There you go. Everybody, I think, knows who's a fan of presidential history knows William Howard Taft was our biggest president. He was 332. He had a BMI of 42.3. That's a high BMI. Yeah, it is. I'm not real up on BMIs, but it's it's got to be. Anything over 29 is considered obese. Shut up. I know, and it's business. dumb. And to get down to not being obese, you have to be freaking skinny. Yeah. On the BMI chart. So I'll leave the BMI alone then, but... Well, um, doesn't matter. But Taft, uh, known for being fat, better than being known for heading up all three branches of government. Chief Justice of the Supreme Court and uh, President Pro Tem of the Senate, right? I didn't know the third one there. I knew he was in the Supreme Court, but... He was a senator, anyway. If I'm wrong, sue me. Uh, Didn't know Grover Cleveland was a big old boy. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Yeah. I can picture him. Big old mustache, big old fat face. 275. Back at a time when everybody wasn't 275, where half your friends were not 275 or dang close. I mean, you would have stood out at 275 back then. 
McKinley was 233. Zachary was, Taylor, 230. Man, we went through a period of time there, mid-late 1800s, where we were electing some big old boys. Now, Zachary Taylor, I, I picture him being kind of thin-faced. But he's a, he's a big boy, huh? He just didn't gain weight on his face, I guess. Was Grover Cleveland the one that was reputed to be, uh, he'd prefer to date fellas? I don't think so. I don't think that's him. No, I'm thinking of somebody else. Was it Hoover? Oh, it was whoever it was. It was somebody around uh, the time of uh, Andrew Jackson because he he made the reference to uh, uh, Aunt Nancy and Miss Fancy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember who that was, though. So, it doesn't uh, matter. Teddy Roosevelt, 237. Another fat boy. Pretty big guy. I, mean, I hope he had a fat, big old horse to ride him around. Trump, they got at 245. I believe it. Chester A. Arthur, 238. Man, we had some big presidents back in the day. Clinton's 234. Clinton was a big old fat boy. Still, well, he got skinny after his heart attack, right? How tall a guy was Clinton? 6'2", I think. I just looked that up. I tell you what. Yeah, 6'2". You add another inch or two of height to the same fat guy. Uh, that's a lot. I mean, like if I were, I'm about 5'10 at this point. Um, if I were six foot, I would probably weigh at my current weight. I'm about 200 pounds right now. Um, I'd probably be 215, 220, don't you think? Yeah. Height adds a lot of weight. No doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, what do you mean at this point? Are you shrinking? Uh, yeah. I used to be 5'11. You've shrunk an entire inch. Well, that's not possible. Well, now remember, it can be a tenth of an inch and, you know, you're no longer 5'11. But uh, no, it's it's uh, it's a significant amount. Yeah, are you sure you haven't? I'm absolutely pretty positive. How I know exactly how much I've shrunk because mm. I had myself laser measured for chemotherapy. Oh, that's right. Uh, and I had uh, I'd been calling myself six one my whole life, but I was really six foot and three quarters. Ah, uh. um, hyperbole. So if I had any shoes on whatsoever, I was six one. But uh, I'm six foot and a quarter inch now, so I've lost a half an inch. Yeah, I've never been laser measured, so I, I couldn't tell you that. I just know for my entire life going to the doctor, they'd say 5'11", blah, blah, blah. And then uh, all of a sudden they started saying 5'10". Huh. I said, wait a minute. I'm no James Madison over here. Let me see that thing. Yeah, Ground okay. down by life. Is that it? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And you just uh, compressed. My vertebrae are compressed, and uh, just my feet are flat, and my my hips are wore out. <laughs> Is it gravity that just pulls us down? Well, more or less, yeah, yeah. So if you like, if you hung upside down to sleep at night, would you get taller, like a bat? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's an interesting question. I've actually considered getting those. Uh, what do you call them? The tables that tip you back, and you kind of hang upside downish. Inversion to do, tables or... to do what? Just to, to spend a certain amount of time a day on them. It's supposed okay. to be good for your back. Stretches uh-huh. out the muscles and takes pressure off the discs and stuff. How tall are you, Michael? 5'8". Five 5'8"? Eight. Five eight? Yeah. He'd tower over James Madison. Please. Oh, yeah. He'd be he tried to look you in the eye, he'd be looking you in the nipples. Father of the Constitution. You'd walk up to him and do that whole thing of, what's that on your shirt? And then hit him in the chin with oh. your finger. Because you're 5'8 and he's 5'4. Because that's what you do to people who are shorter than you, don't you know? Yeah, Victimize I would, them. I would love to be taller. <laughs> you would? Yeah. How do you think that would have affected your life if you were taller in any way? Outside of, like, once you get past high school, would there have been any advantage to being 5'10 as opposed to 5'8? I do think if you're taller, you're more confident. Hmm. That could be. Plus, the percentage of women who will not date a man shorter yes. than them is significant. 
Five eight's tall enough, though. There aren't that many dames out there taller than five eight. Well, maybe Michael's dreamed of dating giantesses. I think you're being dismissive of his pain. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> giantesses. <laughs> ah, boy. Um, uh, I'll, st- uh, I'll, I'll wrap I wish up Donald here to- J. Trump, LBJ, or Abe Lincoln were here to whoop your ass. Our slimmest presidents by BMI, which the, the, that part about BMI is it does combine height and weight. Mm-hmm. Um, John F. Kennedy was only at 22.6 at 182 pounds because he was over six foot tall. That's interesting. He was also ill with quite a few maladies. Mm-hmm. Barack Obama, thin, 180. TJ. Obama! Thomas Jefferson. Chase no slaves around. I'll keep the weight off. He's 181. Oh, boy. Always with the slaves. Uh, you got to get to Link. I got to believe Lincoln, his height, because he was thin as a beanpole. Lincoln at 6'4", 185. That's a thin dude. Yeah. Uh, Coolidge Light, 166. William Henry Harrison, 162. You get down to these weights in the modern world, you don't know any dudes who are 160 in the modern world. Not many, no. No, indeed. Coolidge, 160s. Harrison, 160s. Franklin Pierce in the 160s. John Tyler in the 160s. Andrew Jackson, who was a badass, was 154. Ain't the size of the dog in the fight, Jack. Right? Dot, dot, dot. And the lightest was the shortest. James Madison. I could have wrestled him in high school because I was small myself. 122. Wow. That's a little fella. That is a little fella. You could just put him in your pocket and carry him around and ask him questions about the Commerce Clause or whatever you want to do. I'm pretty certain I was that big as a 12-year-old. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I I wrestled at 103 as a freshman in high school. One... 17, I think, as a sophomore. Wow. And then uh, I think my junior year, I was like 120. Yeah. yeah I know. I was uh, very, very slim. Teeny little feller. Hey, <laughs> so did, you, did you read uh, American Lion, the book about Andrew Jackson? I did, by John Meacham. Pulitzer I did. Prize I read winner. the whole thing. I hated it. No lions. Not even one. Um, <laughs> you read it. I'm down to the last page. There hasn't when, been a lion yet. There when does be a lion Andrew on Jackson the, fight the lion? Better be a lion on this last page. Nope. No lions. <laughs> but it was something, man. His childhood? Starving poor. Virtually nobody to look out for him as a kid. He, he fought his way through life. I mean, like serious, bloody fighting. And then to, as soon as it was time for swordplay, he'd go to hacking people or they'd hack him. He was just, his life, it made Joe Biden and his bent, rusty straight razors look like, uh, you know, the chess club. Right. And uh, my favorite quote from Andrew Jackson, any regrets about your presidency? Yes, I regret that I did not kill John Calhoun, who was his <laughs> vice president. <laughs> now that's a quote. <laughs> The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, we have a fair amount in the sound fridge. Uh, what should we do with it? I don't know. Clean it out? Clean out the sound fridge. I think we uh, should tease something to keep people through the podcast. Sure. We'll if you want. end with new song from Springsteen and John Mellencamp together. I don't think they've ever collaborated. Wow. In fact, I, I don't know this. Maybe you know it, Joe. I would have guessed that Springsteen didn't dig Mellencamp. It's kind of a uh, wannabe him, I would have guessed, but uh, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't, that's an interesting thought. Never considered that. The guy who actually really turned me on to Bruce Springsteen in my youth was also a big John Mellencamp fan. Okay. At the time. Johnny Cougar at the time. 
That's right. Ridiculous. And he hated that stage name. Hey, guys, in an interview, uh, Springsteen said he really likes Mellencamp. So. Okay. Well, yeah. See, I made a horrible assumption. We'll play well, there's a, a lot to like. We'll play a little of that song from the uh, the old couple of old men coming up here in a little bit. Yeah, first, uh, this is an odd story. Is it self-explanatory, uh, Michael? Clip number four? Yeah, I, th- I think so. All right, let's play it. Pop the hood, caught a squirrel red-handed right down here, snacking on these wires. They told me that because they the wires were chewed so close to the firewall, they had no option but to replace the entire wiring harness in the truck. It went from oil-based to soybean-based. Well, it is great for the environment, so great, of course, that animals are attracted to that soybean-based insulation. So they chew through it. Wow, so automotive wiring is now... The the, the uh, insulation is soybean based. How long has it been that way? Wow, it's most, mostly new cars, but okay. I guess it's for environmental reasons. Well, I've had problems with rodents anyway. Well, that's a squirrel, right? That's squirrels a rodent. Yeah, um, I believe so. Yeah, I, I've had a problem with rats eating out they're, wiring. They're rats and, with fancier tails. I've had a number of cars destroyed by uh, rats before they went soybean based. So that's not going to help. Yeah, man, if you leave a car parked for very long, rats will eat up the wires. Always yeah. remember that. It's weird. Uh, hey, that we didn't do that Fallon new Bachelor host joke, did we? No. no. I like the sound of that. There's a new seasonette of The Bachelor? Okay. Some entertainment news ABC has named Jesse Palmer as the new host of The Bachelor. Woo! Oh. Yeah, today, Jesse said, I've dreamed about this job ever since I found out how much it paid. (laughs) Yep, Jesse Palmer is the new Bachelor host, but before he got hired, he and all the other candidates had to fill out an application, and the questions they asked were pretty interesting. For instance, a potential Bachelor host were asked, can you tell the difference between six different women named Lauren? (laughs) Uh, Next up, do you have the stamina to work seven minutes a week? Next up, are you comfortable putting crying drunk people in the back of a limo to the airport? (laughs) And finally, have you ever sat next to a screaming bachelorette party and thought, I want to do this for a living? See, these are smart questions for the bachelor. So, the old host of The Bachelor got run out over some, like, innocuous, to me, comment. But he was, yeah, it doesn't even stand out. I can't, I read about the story, but I can't remember what he said. It it was was so, it was a minor thing. Yeah. It had to do with race. That doesn't matter. It was a it was a nothing burger. He, but he yeah, lost he his wasn't job. disapproving enough. That was yep. that was yep. all it was. Yep. yep. God, the old somebody laughed and he didn't, or, or he didn't tell them. I condemn the he, attempted humor. Yeah, he got Billy Bushed is what's happened. He was there when something happened that people didn't approve of, and he didn't stand up forcefully enough, and he lost one of the best gigs in show business over it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm scanning the uh, the list. You know, I, I hate to give Matt Gates any air. He was grilling the General Milley in front of Congress. He's so obviously trying to distract people from the fact that he's rapey. Grandstanding like crazy. And technically he's rapey because he's having sex with underage girls, allegedly. Yeah. And that is rape no matter what, but... Well, and well, he's yes traveling and no. to different he's, states where it was legal, right? Well, and or he would be in a state where it's not legal to have sex with a 17 year old. And uh, no, wait a second. He was in a state where it was legal and he would have girls brought in from where it's not legal. So he could, you know, wow. strip them, uh, you know, lawfully in that state. Wow. 
Yeah. The, 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 uh, 17-year-olds. Allegedly. Allegedly. So, no, we won't play that clip. Okay. Uh, uh, um, That's a heck of a noise. Is, Do you have restless anal else? syndrome? Oh. <laughs> I don't know, but it's time we talk openly about restless anus syndrome. Anyway, uh, shall, uh, speaking of musical sensations, shall we get to the new Bruce slash John Mellencamp sure. song? Let's dig it. It's called Wasted Days. I'm told it's a little depressing. How can a man watch his life go down the drain? How many moments has he lost today? And how among us could ever see clear? The end is coming. Oh, wasted days. Now, you know, Bruce Springsteen and John Mellencamp could get together and do anything, and I would probably like the sound of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, geez, what's with the lyrics? If you heard two old guys saying that sort of stuff sitting on the porch, like if my dad and a friend of his were sitting on the porch saying, oh, you can see the end, it's almost here, the wasted days. I think, whoa, geez, cheer up. (laughs) Wow, yeah, make the most of these. Uh, coming up, we'll play an excerpt from One Foot in the Grave by Mick Jagger and Charlie Watt. What's that? By Mick Jagger. <laughs> Too late. Yikes. Then we've got uh, What's the Point of This from Don Henley. Another good song. I've Wasted My Entire Life by Bob Seger. Hmm. Um. Another giant hit from Who's an Aging Star. Can't have one pop into my head. They all age. Yeah. Bob Seger's a good one. Um, Fleetwood Mac out with uh, My Health is Failing Me. That's another good hit. (laughs) I can hear the hot breath. Here, you don't hear hot breath. I can smell the hot breath of the Grim Reaper. (laughs) By, I don't know, insert the recording artist of your choice. Yeah, I wish I could think of more old aging rockers just to to continue the gag going. But you got to make sure they're still about uh, Paul right. McCartney. I was going to say Tom Petty could be he's dead. Yeah. yeah, Paul McCartney with "I'm in Constant Pain." That's his new hit. Jesus, that's too much now. Well, so, so you suck. So was John Boo. Mellencamp saying, Boo. "I can see the end. It's almost here." What the hell is that? Depressing. <laughs> he had a song on his last album. It was a great tune, but it was the same vibe of. Everything I try to do now comes to nothing. I was just like, a dude. And then I compared try, it. Try bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> and then I compared it, and it's just, you know, this is probably true for a lot of old people. I compared it to John Prine, one of my musical heroes, who unfortunately died of COVID last year. But he is an old man, too. And he just put out an album about, you know, how much fun he was having as an old guy and the things he plans to do in heaven when he dies, which is just a fantastic. When I get to heaven, I'm going to smoke a cigarette that's nine miles long. I mean, he just it was, it was like up tempo and and he's still enjoying himself. And then you got the John Mellencamp, Bruce Springsteen. Life's almost over. What's the point? I can see the end. I wasted uh, my days. Yeah. All of them. So is that just the two sides of the coin of being old? And you might go one way, you might go the other. Maybe you feel different ways, different days. I don't know.
I'm not that old yet, so thank God. Yeah, there's probably some of that. And I'm just finding this really depressing. <laughs> One foot in the grave. Should end it on the Grim Reaper what, joke. What did you call it? Old, old, uh, old. Dying old guy rock. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be a genre. It might end up being a genre with, uh, with all the musicians, all the most biggest musicians of back when you could make a gazillion dollars becoming a musician. Right, right. Uh, as they all get to the, the, the very end, maybe they're all going to put out songs like this. Medicare know. won't cover my new crutches. You know, whatever. I'm trying to think of, let's see, what would Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin's song be? Robert Plant's got a new album out with Alison Krauss. They're doing another one yeah. of those. Those yeah. be fantastic. Yeah, interesting. Sometimes you combine uh, odd ingredients and it's disgusting. Sometimes it's uh, fabulous. <laughs> Old dying guy rock. See if the serious channel has one of those. Armstrong and Getty.